And um, so take your Bibles if you have one. You should have your Bible with you today. And we're going to be, we're going to be uh, considering the question, important question, is how to be right with God. That's always the question, isn't it? And so let's uh, let's consider that this morning, and um, it could uh, bolster bolster our understanding of also sharing the gospel with other people. So let's um, let me pray. And the main text that I'm I'm using today, and others in Romans and Galatians is Romans three twenty eight, where it says, "For we maintain that a man is justified by faith." apart from the works of the law. Could everybody hear me? Not so much? All right, I'll, be, I'll try to be, could, could you hear me? Okay. All right, everybody hear me. All right, good. So um, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we're able to meet together and worship you. Uh, I pray that as we break open up the word of God and, and we uh, look at its content, and we see what the message found there in Scripture that Paul wrote to his uh, the church at Rome. And I, I pray, Lord, that we would, again, always want to hear the gospel, always want to be ready to, to receive it and to, again, think about it. And then, Lord, to be able to speak it to others, because we know, Lord, that's what people need in this dark world that we live, where... It seems like chaos is abounding, and um, the the standard of law is being uh, pushed away, and um, people are becoming openly rebellious to authority. Lord, I pray that uh, this these days would be a great time to be able to share Christ with people, because that's what they really need. They need the Lord, and I pray, Lord, that people don't know how to get right with God, and they, they won't know until they hear the word of God. And so I pray, Lord, that we would always have an opportunity to get, share the word of God with people. And uh, so give us that understanding. Bring those who don't know you today who may be listening to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, continue to bring in the harvest, for we know the fields are white. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we consider that passage of Scripture for we maintain that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We all, at certain phases of our life, ask questions. Questions like, what trade should I get into? What college should I go to? Will I be able to be work and be successful? What do I want to do with my life? Will I find Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Will I want children and how many? Will I be a good wife and mother? Will I be a good husband and father? And many more questions will be raised during the course of our lives. That's for sure. But the most important question that any person could ever ask himself is, am I right with God? That's going to be the question that becomes more more important, especially as you get closer to leaving this earth. 
am I right with God? May say, I say it again, it is the most important question you'll ever ask. However, the most difficult thing about asking such a vital question is getting the correct answer. There has to be an answer to that question that is correct. Yes, many, many will deny that there is any need to get right with God. Their denial usually comes because they think that they've never been wrong with God. This thought is born out of a universal understanding that mankind is basically good. Some even have the idea that the Bible has uh, has never really told us that man is a sinner and man is no good. And they usually assess that before they even ever read the Bible. Now, it is no doubt that... Uh, that some are better than others and not as good as other people. As people compare themselves to each other, some are better and some are worse. However, this is altogether really the wrong way of dealing with the question, am I right with God? There is a statement in Scripture that surely is one that causes every unbeliever to gag a bit. And it's the scripture found in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, where it says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no difference. There is no difference that causes people to, to gag a bit. Because when God looks at people, he sees them just the way they are. He doesn't fudge on them. He doesn't compare them with other people. He actually compares them with himself. And so that becomes very important because there is no difference between you and I when it comes to our own heart. So how does God see all human beings? Well, the next text actually tells us. Verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he is saying... All of us have failed the good test. All of us have failed the test before God. All of us have flunked. Our GPA, our grade point average is zero before God. Now, it's really not the goodness that I'm talking about of comparing people with people. But good, goodness compared to God's perfect goodness. That if we compare ourselves to God's perfect goodness, we all fall short. And this is for certain. If there's anything that the Bible teaches, it's that men and women are not good. That they are not right with God. In fact, the passage that Greg read this morning, Romans chapter 3, if you notice verse 10 through 18... It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none that does good, 
There is not even one that does good. That's how God sees us. And where did the Apostle Paul even get this from? He got it from the Old Testament. Matter of fact, there's several places that say that says exactly the same thing. Psalm 14, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. And then again, in verse 3, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So men have always been the same. They have not been any different since the beginning of time. And so that, my friends, is God's opinion of you and me, that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are not right with God. In fact, we are very wrong with God, and we need most definitely to get right with God. So let me just examine briefly the right way people often take to get right with God. The wrong way they get to get right with God. Now, usually the wrong way to get right with God is the very popular way. It is the way that most people think. Even the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it informs us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's how most people would think about this. In fact, this wrong way to get right is universally held by all people at all times in their lives. This applies to every single generation, every person who has, who's ever born. And there's a thousand ways to interpret that. There's a thousand ways that seems right to the fallen, dead human heart on how to be right with God. If that wasn't so, then there would not be thousands of religious systems. And all those religious systems do the same thing, to try to get somebody to hope that they're, if they pass away, they'll be better off later than they are now. So this way that leads to death, as it says in Proverbs, can be described by saying, listen, I'll become right with God by the things that I do. It becomes a work, a self-works righteousness. Some people will say, I'll live by the Ten Commandments. Others say, well, I'll follow the golden rule. Do unto others as I would want done to myself. Others would say, I'll follow the rules and stand, standards of my religious system. To those who follow the Quran, they'll follow the teachings of the Quran. To those who follow Buddha, they'll follow the Eightfold Path to becoming right with a higher power. To those who go, who are Catholic may say, oh, I'll go to Mass every day. Uh, but whatever it may be, a person may just say, listen, I think I'll just do the best I can. And isn't that all God wants? I'll help people. I will live a good life under my terms and understanding of goodness. I'll live a moral life. 
So the list can go on and on and on, no matter how you slice it. These are all works-based. These are us trying to save ourselves. Hopefully that God will look down and see, hey, that person's been trying pretty hard. I have to accept him. So all these are attempts to save oneself before God, hoping that the divine scales will be heavier on the good side and outweighed the bad side. Now, this is the wrong way to get right with God, and it really stinks to high heaven when you think about it, especially when you start reading the Bible. See, the person who strives to make themselves right with God in this way seems right, but actually it shows that they are at odds with God and actually are in conflict with God. The person who says, whether it's he or she has lived by the commandments, has an, really has an argument with Christ. And the reason for that is because of what the Word of God says. Jesus said in the Gospel and recorded in the Gospel of John, did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. So see, even in Scripture, and the next passage says in John 7, verse 19, why do you seek to kill me? See, the, the people who said that they were following God were ready to throw the commandments away and, and kill Christ. So see, they, they didn't want to keep it at all. And it's really the same with everybody. Now, some may say, maybe... I have not kept all the Ten Commandments, but I know that I have kept some of them. I'll tell you, whether you have kept some of them or one of them or not, keeping the law will not make you right with God. The Bible took, the, the Bible book of, of James says, for whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles in one point has become guilty of all of the law and the condemnation of the law. So the idea that by keeping some set of rules, some laws, that I am going to make myself right with God is the wrong way to be right with God. And the bottom line is this. The bottom line is that we have all broken the commandments of God. As it says in Scripture, and the main text is, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart, apart from the works of the law. There was an old preacher. Some of you may have heard his name, Donald Gray Barnhouse. Uh, he had an opportunity one day to uh, preach the gospel on a transatlantic voyage on a ship. And after he preached that particular Sunday morning, a lady talked to him about how she might go to heaven. He felt compelled to ask her a question. He said to her, my dear, if this ship were to sink and plunge to the bottom of the sea and you were to find yourself with what men call dead and standing before God, and he were to say to you, what right do you have to enter heaven? What would you say? And the woman thought for a moment, and then she said, 
I wouldn't have anything to say. And Barnhouse then said to the woman, my dear, do you realize that you are quoting the Apostle Paul? For in Romans chapter 3, verse number 19, the Apostle Paul says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be accountable before God. So Barnhouse said to her, you see, I say, I wouldn't have anything to say is merely a paraphrase of what the Apostle Paul said. That everybody, everybody, Jew and Gentile, stands before God with their mouth closed. They have nothing to say. They have no defense. When we get to that point, of course, we don't want to get to that point. So the law of God is not designed to save anyone let alone the self-made rules of some religious person. So what is the function of the law? Well, the function of the law has several things included in it. Number one, the law reveals sin, that God is holy and sets the standard for his people. And, of course, the Bible does tell us uh, why was the law given. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 19 it says it was added because of transgression. So the law reveals sin, but it cannot remove sin. The law pronounces guilt on a person, but it cannot provide grace for a person. The law causes death, but it has no cure. It was Martin Luther, former Roman Catholic priest, who became a preacher of the gospel, who said the law is a hammer which smashes our self-righteousness and leaves us prostrate before God in our sins. See, the law was designed by God to shut up everyone under sin. And that's what exactly it does. In fact, the Bible also says the law brings about wrath. So you may be thinking, wow, if people are sinners in every period of history and the law of God, that is the Ten Commandments, cannot save them if someone endeavored to keep them, even if they kept all of them, there would be no hope at all whatsoever. Well, there's some good news also connected to the law. For the Bible says the law is a mirror. It's a mirror to, to hold before our heart and show us that our heart is sinful. In fact, again, it was Martin Luther who says the law is a mirror, which shows us our filth and our vileness and our sin, but one does not wash his face in a mirror. He rushes to the sink and washes his hands and his face. So many have a gross distortion of Christianity, which, is, which really supposes that in keeping of the law, they may obtain the salvation of God. This has been and continues to be the most widespread heresy that has ever plagued the church. If anyone's hopes for heaven are based on keeping the commandments or the golden rule, the Sermon on the Mount, 
the teachings of Jesus or other sets of rules in order to be right with God, then they will surely perish in their sins. No one on this planet has ever kept all the commandments of God other than Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus Christ becomes the answer on how to be right with God. A person is made right with God and comes into the family of God only through faith in Christ. For it says in Romans again, verse three, chapter three, verse 26, you are all sons of God. How are we sons of God? How do we get into the family of God? Through faith in Christ Jesus. So God gave us a clear definition of sin in his 10 commandments. And without this, people can't recognize their pitiful condition and their need of a savior. For the law is a mirror and gives us the knowledge of our sin. Therefore, we cannot be justified by the law because each of us has broken the law. And that's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans, for by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Again, the law is a mirror which reveals to us our uncleanness and causes us to fly to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, to fly to the place that we can be made clean. The law is a whip and stings our back and drives us to the cross for redemption. So the law was given to us to show us that we are not right with God, that we are sinners and undone before God, condemned before God, and we need to have a sacrifice. We need someone to die in our place. We need someone to wash away our sin. So contained in the law is also a very special design that the law was our schoolmaster, where it says in Galatians, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. So that means we have a lamb that takes away the sin for all those who trust in Jesus Christ as their substitute sacrifice. I read a story about a person being arrested for driving down the wrong way, driving down a one-way street. And then that person runs through three red lights, hits a car, continues to drive on and tries to elude the police and finally gets pulled over, then slaps the policeman in the face. When he is detained, he's hauled off to jail. And the judge says to him, young man, what do you, what do you have to say for yourself? And he says, judge, I stand on my record. And the judge says to him, young man, your record is going to put you in jail. So the judge gives him the full penalty of the law. He fines him $10,000. But there's a big problem. He has no money. He's unable to pay. But his brother finds out about it and comes forward and writes out a check and pays the full penalty for the young man. So the young man, upon leaving the courtroom, confronts, is confronted by the police officer standing at the door, and the policeman says to him, what right do you have to leave this courtroom? Are you not the defendant? And the young man says, what right? My right to leave this courtroom 
is that my fine has been paid by my brother. See, this story does relate to us because in the same way, we are just like that man. We've broken all the rules. And when it comes right down to it, we have nothing to say before God. And we're going to get thrown into that eternal jail. But see, how, is it, how it relates to us is, is in this way. We have driven down the wrong way, driven down the wrong way through this world. We have violated his commandments over and over again. The law has exposed us as sinners, the sinners that we are, and we have no defense against the judgment of God. And all that we can really say is guilty as charged. But Christ, as it says in Hebrews, our elder brother, comes and pays the penalty, not with cash, but with his own precious blood. So why should we be allowed to leave the judgment hall and enter into heaven? Because all those who come and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, their penalty has been paid in full by Christ so they can enter into heaven. Now, secondly, and quickly, what's the right way people are to be made right with God? I believe it's clear at this particular point that all of our own attempts of self-salvation, trying to make ourselves right with God by what we can do is utterly hopeless. We need not the righteousness which people try to work up on their own. That is the way of death. That is the way of destruction. We need a righteousness which God reveals from heaven. That's the righteousness we need. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said it like this in chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. See, this, there is a righteousness of God, a righteousness where God is the source a righteousness that God accepts when he sees it, a righteousness which is absolutely beyond our ability to perform ourselves. Now you may ask, why does anyone need a righteousness that comes from God? Well, let me answer that by asking another question. How good do you have to be to be good enough to go to heaven? Well, Jesus said it very clearly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So how good do you have to be? You have to be perfectly good all the time for your whole life. Now, if anybody is an honest person, they have to admit, I cannot do that. Nobody could do that. That's exactly true. That's right. And that's 
where we should go. That's the conclusion. We cannot be perfect. So the good news is we don't get to heaven by being good. We don't get to heaven by being good enough. We can't be good enough. We get to heaven in spite of the fact that no one is good enough and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We get to heaven because Christ was good enough, because Christ was perfect. He was the perfect God-man, and we are trusting in him. Jesus led the only perfect life of any man who ever lived. It was Jesus alone who could actually say, as it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 29, and he said, and he sent me, and he who sent me is with me and has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to to him. Only Jesus could have said that, that everything he ever did as a man, he did to please the Father completely. So now, Jesus will grant to anyone who asks for his righteousness, he will give it to them that believe. Those who repent of their sin and trust in Christ's sacrificial death and resurrection, he will give his righteousness. He will clothe them with the perfect white robes of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we are justified freely, not because of any merits of ourselves, but entirely because of the goodness and the grace of God through the redemption that is in Christ who died for our sins. Now, how is this righteousness received? It's received by faith. Now, let's say, let's say you say, well, I already believe in Jesus. Is that enough? Is that faith? Not necessarily. A person must have a faith, the Bible says, that justifies the sinner before God. A faith that can declare the sinner right before God. For it also says in Romans 3, verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We already know the law can't save, but faith in Christ not only saves, but justifies the person before God and makes them right. See, that is the the great truth of the gospel. It says that again in Romans 3.23, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. See, faith in Jesus' sacrifice for sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by the shedding of his blood. And anyone who believes that with all their heart will be saved. And that is the most comforting truth 
that we can ever hear on this side of eternity. It was the blood of the infinite Son of God, Jesus, that paid that penalty for us that we might not have to pay it, that we might have everlasting life. And that's why hell is eternal, because the price, the debt that sinners owe God can never be paid off. That's why Christ is the answer. He is the only answer. He's the answer to all the sin that is in the world, all the evil that we see before our eyes on the news every day. Jesus Christ is the answer. So this is the good news, that even though we haven't kept the law, even though we are not good enough and never will be in and of ourselves, God has given us a perfect lamb, an unblemished lamb, the unblemished lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that dies in the place of unjust sinners. So Christ's perfect righteousness makes a repentant believer right with God and acceptable to God. So what right do we have to go to heaven? This is the right we have, that we have Jesus Christ who died in our place, who has given us his righteousness, and now we are accepted in the beloved. That's the right we have, and that's the only right we have. We have nothing in and of ourselves to save ourselves. So here's the questions. Are you right with God? Have you repented of your sins and acknowledged that all your own righteousness are as filthy rags before God? Have you yielded yourself to Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to him? Have you bowed before his cross and received Jesus Christ as your own Savior, by confessing him with your mouth and believing him in your heart. See, will you become right today if you are not? I would plead with you not to put it off. And if you are right with him because you have believed in the final and only sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then you can rejoice. And you can know that Heaven is guaranteed to you based on what the Lord has done. So let me pray this morning as I close. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for showing us from the word of God the message of salvation. How unholy, imperfect sinners can actually be made right with the true and living God. Who can be forgiven and cleansed and made perfect by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And, oh, God, if there are any out there today who have never gotten right with you, I pray right now they will say, oh, God, I have been wrong and even stubborn to believe what is true. I have trusted in my own goodness, in my own efforts to keep the law. I see today that all these ways are empty and cannot save me. I have broken your law in thought, in word, and in deed. I am guilty in your sight. Please, Lord God, have mercy on me. Forgive me and wash me and clothe me in the white robe of your righteousness so that I may be truly right with God who created me 
and will save me by faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And in his name I ask it. Amen. Thank you very much. And we'll have one last song, and then we'll close.